Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to our panel discussion here and now, which is intended to help mid-career auditors make the most of their opportunities. I'm Mike Richmond of Exemplar Global, and I'm your host and moderator for this event. And today I'm joined by three of our very exceptional Exemplar Global panelists who have a wealth of experience from which they can draw for this discussion. Andrew Baines is our president and CEO. Adam Maxwell is our technical director. And Wendy Edwards is our project director. So Andrew, Adam, and Wendy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, thanks Mike. to be here. Today, again, we're going to talk about folks in the middle of their career. Uh, and hopefully we'll have some good insights for you today about how you can invigorate your career, learn a little bit. You can learn from us. We can learn from you. You can increase your earning power. And you can achieve, of course, greater satisfaction in what you're currently doing. So let's dive right in with the questions. I have a few. And, and we can uh, have a discussion. So open floor. Um, what would you all say are the benefits of, of lifelong learning? And that's something that I think is, is really important for anybody in their career, but certainly someone who has had some experience and, and wants to continue to stay up to date on, on what they're doing. Well, let me start with that one, Mike. It's a, it's a really good question, and it's one I know we'll all have a point of view on, probably from different perspectives, actually. But interestingly, you talk about being in, in mid-career, it's interesting to to realise when you are in mid-career and um, at what point that is and at what point you try and manage it. I think I spoke on the last time we did uh, the recording about um, when I started as an auditor, thinking that the organisation that had picked me was probably scraping the bottom of the barrel and desperate to find auditors. And then lo and behold, you find yourself 15 or 20 years into it and you know something and you uh, have some skills of some value. But the only way you get those skills is to continue learning things as you went along. In fact, I was talking with Adam yesterday on a routine business call, reflecting on, and Wendy, you'll remember this too, reflecting on when we all started auditing, how we did it. And, uh, you know, in those days, it was mainly, if not only, quality. And then other ones came along, health and safety mm. and environmental and food safety and, and so on came along. But we used to write notes in a little book with a pen and when you went back to the office, you wrote them out and sent it off to the typing pool and uh, got something back as a draft. And then that was updated and so on. And then we moved through using computers to type our own. And all the things that we've, we've learned to use over those years, as well as those standards coming in, you had to learn about. You had to self-learn. You had to go to some uh, course or other. So you, you're always in this state of, of lifelong learning. And as you imagine how you would progress through a series of changes over perhaps 40 years of a career, if you're not lifelong learning, you're going backwards. And now more than ever, you know, the rate of change of technologies and uh, the interests that people have in different things is just incredible. It's very difficult to keep up as a professional in any event. But if you're not committed to that lifelong learning, then I don't know how you would possibly do that. You just fall by the wayside. One of the challenges the sector has at the moment is attracting new auditors. And I think part of that implicit in it is attracting somebody that's got an interest in developing the knowledge and the learning as they go forward. Now, what I would say, and uh, I'm going to pass over to Wendy at this point, is some of us are more structured about how we plan our careers and what lifelong learning we've got. And there's a reason I'm passing this to Wendy. And some of us, like myself, are a little more, oh, let's see what happens. Let's see what comes along next and take the opportunities as they present. So, Wendy, how did you go about uh, thinking in terms of your lifelong learning as you went through career from 
probably in a similar position of thinking, well, I've got a job as an auditor too. How do you manage that as a career? And indeed, at what point did you start thinking about uh, diversifying the career from auditing into other aspects that you you explored? Awesome. Thanks for that, Andrew. Um, and yes, it's a it's a standing issue that Andrew is more casual in how he approaches things, and I drive him nuts by writing lists, and there were lists for this as well. Um, so from for me, for learning, it's been interesting as it's changed over time. It's something that I've always done. I always have some sort of adult learning alongside whatever I'm doing. Um, but it started off, I would do very structured learning. So, you know, quality assurance as a, as a diploma through a university. Um, they're a bit slower. Um, they take they take longer, but you get to learn the why that you get the good foundation and the and the base understanding. Um, but what I've found as my career has progressed and, and you're sort of about mid-career onwards is that, that that that's too slow. As you say, Andrew, things are changing so quickly. And now that that learning has to be, you know, um, webinars, things like this, um, synopsis of books or books. It's, it needs to be faster uh, and it, it's a broader range of topics. It's not specialising anymore as time goes on. So for me, um, it, it does help give perspective. The, the wider the learning, uh, the better you are at, at seeing and understanding when you're out auditing and in the role. So I'll pass over to you, Adam, because you're somewhere between Andrew and I, I suspect, in the way that you approach your learning. Um, I'm, thanks, Wendy. Uh, and I think I'm closer to Andrew in many regards is I didn't plan on having this. I think this is maybe my I guess probably easily my third career. Um, I graduated from university with a degree in applied chemistry, so I'm a, I'm a long way from my this the first space, if if you like it. You know, moved through industry and eventually found my way to Exemplo Global, and after that, then found my way to auditing. So um, my approach and what I think has stood me in good stead is my inquisitive nature. I always like to find out how things work and why they work and what works well. And I think that's stood me in good stead with the, my auditing career because um, when you go to organisations and they're applying a set rule, uh, I guess a set series of criteria that is from the standards, each one of those organisations has its own way of implementing that and um, you learn something from the way that they're applying the same rule book to their specific organization and that's where um, you know of course I've gone out and I've done the learning as you know how to understand the standards how to auditing but you get to apply that in so many different ways and I continue to be amazed almost at how different organizations are applying the standards so um, I learn tremendous amounts from audit clients. Of course, you don't tell them that during the audit, of course, but you, you um, have an open mind and you consider, oh, okay, you're approaching it from that perspective and that suits your business. As long as the outcome is um, in line with the intent of the clause of the standard, that's great. And that's where I get a lot of my learnings from this part in my career. It's not so much through formal training it's through talking with other auditors talking with auditees and and taking on board the way that they've done it and um, moving that into or adding that to my tool belt as an auditor 
Um, that's where I get the most of my learnings from these days. If I can just pick up on a couple of things you said there, uh, really interesting that you talked about it being perhaps a third career. And when I think back over my career of uh, well, nearly 40 years now, it's gone in chunks of about eight years, funnily enough, for me. But these days, I think people change much more often than that, much more regularly. And and in a lot of ways, I'm almost quite envious of the fact that people are, are more willing to explore new avenues of career uh, as they come along. Um, you know, we often hear that people would say to you, you should do something that you're passionate about. Now, when I was a student and I did microbiology, so I'm a long way from it too, um, I didn't know this sort of career existed. And in fact, at the time, it probably didn't exist. So how could I have been passionate about it? And for me, I've I've taken a slightly different approach to my career, and that is worry a little less about something that I'm passionate about, but work hard at whatever it is that I'm doing. And when you work hard at it, you get to be good at it. And when mm -hmm. you get to be good at it, you get to be passionate about it. And when you're then passionate about it, learning about it is a lot easier than it is mm -hmm. when somebody just says to I actually, I want you to go and learn something of which you've no interest whatsoever. You know, so so pursuing something that you found that you're good at or something that interests you or something that uh, takes you where you want to be seems to me to be uh, a, a true north of what you should look to in, in what areas of learning you are. I, 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 Again, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. When I started auditing, and I'll go back, it was quality again. I really thought, using something like ISO 9001, that auditors would make really good general managers or vice presidents, you know, operational leaders, because you had this exposure to all of the aspects of, of a business you know mm -hmm. you did contract review so you were dealing with that you were dealing with purchasing you were dealing with staff issues you were dealing with operational stuff technical stuff and so on and and uh, one of my ideas as, as i went through was this i would like to move more into general management which is what i, I did ultimately and it was about that midpoint of career mike because you went through and you'd done well, 12 or 15 years of auditing pretty much full time that you went into managing audits and bigger audit groups and traveling more. And I loved that sort of thing. And that ultimately what led me into um, what I'm doing here in Exemplar Global. And don't do any audits anymore, but I'm still closely involved with it. And I still learn about it as we find new things happening. You know, what strikes me is as I listen to you all talk that you all have different, very different working styles. You all have very different learning styles. And, you know, as you as you as we all get into our careers, we need to understand how those styles align with what opportunities may present themselves. I mean, we, we may have opportunities to. You become trainers or become contract auditors or to become consultants or get involved with standards writing, whatever, whatever the case may be. Or we may just stay with our initial employer and and work as a as a quality manager, let's say. Um, but whatever we choose to do, we need to understand ourselves well enough to understand how we learn, uh, how we like to work. So what would you say are some of the important parts as we do learn more about ourselves in terms of aligning that self-knowledge? with what kind of opportunities represent themselves within this industry. Look, I'll, I'll kick that one off because it's been a bit of a learning curve for me. Um, so one of the things I think, you know, just at a really basic level is understanding whether you're someone that prefers to work alone or whether you're somebody that, that 
gains energy from being in and around other people and, and having many people working on something with you. Um, I think if you if you're a person that likes to work on your own or to work through a problem on your own, um, you need to choose a work environment that allows you to do that so that you can thrive. And I think perhaps thinking about things like going out on your own as a consultant, it's it's worth considering whether you would be comfortable being on your own all the time, um, as opposed to working in a, in, a, in a larger environment where you have colleagues. Um, Adam, this is something that you've thought about, so what, what would be your thoughts on this? Uh, I think for me, Wendy, it's it's more about what I'm working on um, that has an influence on whether I like to work by myself or as a team. And I get I get great pleasure in both of those aspects and sometimes even mingling the two together. So there's no hard and fast rule as far as I'm concerned in that regard. Actually, one of the things that the question might ask raises for me is, uh, a question of self-awareness and uh, one of the things that I've undertaken several times coincidentally over my career is a, a sort of personal attribute assessment and uh, these are, are really great at um, take them as a bit of fun actually to some degree don't take them too seriously but we all like to hear how we are ourselves a little bit self-indulgent and they can be really good at, at highlighting for you what are your areas of strength and, and weaknesses uh, or things to work on. And uh, there's different sorts of them all over the place. We we run several within Exemplar Global, specifically designed for auditors and, and engineers and so on, a whole suite of them from uh, what we call work style assessments through to some other uh, attribute assessments. And uh, they can be very helpful in finding, I think, where you're most comfortable at working, but also to recognise where you're not most comfortable, but it's, it's something that you, it's worth working on. I think one of the reasons I, and I, I say this of myself, but I think was a reasonably good auditor, was that I'm very comfortable talking about you, much much less comfortable telling you about anything that I'm doing or myself. And, and so asking questions, tell me about what you're doing here, show me that and let's talk about this that you're interested in, I found worked very well for me. But if you don't give a little bit of yourself, then people don't always open up. A lot of this is about soft skills, not technical skills. It's about interpersonal skills. It's about emotional intelligence. And, and it might sound somewhat indulgent, but I think doing some work on those sorts of things will enhance anybody's career, whatever your natural makeup is, because it makes you aware of it. And then as you do move into senior levels of a career, um, we're all fairly senior in our organisation, being aware of the strengths of other people to supplement it. So it's a team strength rather than everybody all being the same. We're all really good at this, but let's let's have some diversity around it. The same is true when you put together an audit team. If you uh, think back to those days, you, you, you don't really want a team that are all the same. Mm -hmm. Having some that are interested in more strategic stuff, some that are maybe more detail oriented, some that are... Uh, are quite gregarious and others that are quite looking at records and so on can all complement a team. So what maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the 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 variety of opportunities specifically that that maybe people listening to this have considered in their careers. Maybe they haven't considered them and and some of the pros and cons that you would come up with in, in working through or considering uh, some opportunities. You, you, Wendy, you mentioned consulting. Um, 
you know, that's that's one that, of course, a lot of people think about. It's potentially very lucrative, but there's a lot of downsides to it as well. So you need to weigh all those things. I mean, what are the pros and cons that as you see them of, let's just say, consulting as a, as a starting point? What, what would you say about that? Sure. Um, look, for me, the, with the consulting, you know, one of the things that are great about it is that you do have that that knowledge. As Andrew said, the, the ISO um, 9001 standard does give you a really good base. So you have a good background and a good knowledge. So you have something to offer that perhaps um, the ecosystem of a, of a small organisation may not have or that those that you're dealing with may not have. So that's the opportunity, which is to help share that, grow, um, help others become better. Um, sometimes, though, it can be challenging if the organisation that you're working with actually just, just want, you know, this bit. They don't want to do all of it. Um, so you do find yourself in a situation where you can see there are opportunities there, but they're not ready to take them. So there's a mindset shift from being a practitioner or the person that's in charge of doing something versus the consultant, which is assisting that person to see and decide what they're going to do versus auditing it, which is just, um, you know, seeing those opportunities, but but even one step further removed as you go through. Reflect one of the other things that you bring to uh, consulting. I was I was never courageous enough to go out and work for myself. I've always worked for for others, but I, and I do think it is very courageous. But we now know that something like eighty percent of auditors are, are contract auditors, and and possibly are doing some consulting and training along the side too. So it does take some courage. But but one of the other values that you bring to this is that exposure to have to a great diversity of of other organisations, industries, large and small, and so on. And, and I believe sometimes that um, uh, as an auditee, you're wishing that your auditor could tell you more. And we're constrained by uh, not being able to consult and so on and so forth. But th there's a recognition of this wisdom or experience that's there because you've seen so much. So why can't you tell me? So we, we manage that. But uh, the opportunity to be able to facilitate somebody with their own learning through consultancy I can see I can see the temptation of very much and I think uh, Adam before going to you one other factor I'd uh, add into this is a recognition that auditing can be um, intrinsically stressful you 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 have a lot of pressure on you you um, you're out working on your own oftentimes it can be contentious at times or at least the risk of it and um, you know Auditors can have a, enough of it. You can get to a point in your career. I was probably 10 or 12 years into it and I thought, actually, I, I do want to do something. Like, it wasn't that I hadn't liked the auditing and I did continue to do it, but not full time. And enough's enough of it. But then you've still got something really valuable to give back. And as you get to that midpoint of your career, I think that's when you've got the gravitas to do it. You've got a brand, you've got a reputation. You, you've got the experience to back up it. And actually, you know, sometimes when to shut up as well, probably. And uh, taking that out has a, has a value. And, and uh, you know, I would encourage people to explore it. And I think the things are not mutually exclusive. You can be a consultant and a trainer and a contract auditor and do some things that you want to do with your own lifestyle as well, I would say. Adam, you've done all of them, haven't you? You've done uh, a few of these things. I've done a few. Um, I've never branched out into consulting, though, in, I guess, in the auditing and consulting sense. Uh, I guess the extent of my consulting is internally within Exemplar Global. 
so that's that's the extent. So I don't do any consulting as far as the ISO standards externally is concerned. But I have been involved in training certification and um, you know writing of those standards both internally for Exemplar Global, um, and that's really the extent of my um, consulting experience. But there is the opportunity for the auditor not to consult, but to ask questions during the audit that help the auditee realise potentially some weaknesses within their programs that they may like to consider improving. So they may they may meet the requirements of the standard, of course, but they may have not have considered some aspects that could improve their system beyond merely compliance. Um, so there's the opportunity not necessarily to consult, but to to help the audit client to understand where they could improve and lead them along that that path through some um, um, worded questions that help them arrive at some conclusion. But that's actually a really good point. So, so one of the best auditors I've ever had would, you know, two or three points during, you know, a week-long audit would just stop and go, hmm, I wonder what an integrated foreign matter management plan might look like, and then there'd be a pause. And that was the entire extent of the conversation. But, you know, when you've been through um, all of the nth degree detail that you're going through at a point in time, and you kind of you can see that it's 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 good, but it's not as good as it could be. A simple question like "I wonder what" um, was always enough for me to come up with an answer, so that at the next audit I could say, "Hey, it might look like this," you know, like it was um, enough just to keep the the thought processes going and improve without actually consulting or giving direction. We're sort of tending to sound like the external auditors, third-party auditors that we've, we've all been. But there is also that opportunity to go back in as a practitioner. Yeah, we've had recently some exposure to um, one of the major corporates here in New Zealand, and we've uh, devised a, a programme for them of recognition around internal auditors and, and internationally. It's a, it's a great one to, to look at. But what it does make you appreciate is the people that really make a difference are those practitioners that are doing this job day in, day out. And I mean, the, the quality managers, environmental health and safety managers and so on. And as you think of alternatives in mid-career, what about going back into that, going back to a practitioner with all that experience and be that internal trainer and consultant and auditor, if you want to be, or manager of those functions that can open up as many, if not more of the opportunities and really make a difference really make a difference to to uh, what you're doing out there it's a it's a it's, it's a, an avenue that should not be um discarded he's going back into it as a practitioner and senior at that level it's a really good point that's an excellent point Andrew. I'm sorry that i didn't even think of that myself but there's <laughs> there's uh there's great opportunity for those internal auditors to consult more or less to their heart's content they're not bound by the the rules of an auditor shall not consult to their audit client. Um, so that's a really powerful way that um, auditors, third party auditors, if, if they move back into industry, they can really add some really great value to the organisations. Well, a further point that occurs to me, actually, as we talk about this is when you look at the 
the community and the stakeholders involved around this concept of auditing. There are also other areas like uh, the accreditation bodies who look for, for auditors, who they're the ones that audit the certification bodies. There are, there are people auditing in different disciplines for regulators, for example, as well. So, uh, you know, being aware of, of the stakeholder community can open up many opportunities for you. And that's a combination of, of learning about your trade, learning about the environment that you're working in and, and what your interests and skill sets are, make it a very diverse set of possibilities that are there for you at mid-career point. What are the challenges? Well, it costs something to invest in yourself sometimes. Mid-career, you're also perhaps balancing family interests with um, uh, with professional interests and so on. So yes, there are challenges. Of course, there are. But but there are there are multiple opportunities that can be very very satisfying if you uh, are willing to be open-minded to those possibilities. You know, Andrew and. We have a few minutes left, but I wanted to, to hit something before we, we close. You had mentioned the word courage a, a, a little earlier about having the courage to go out and, and kind of pursue what you want out of your career as a consultant or, or anything else. And that's that has always been something I thought about because it, it's very easy, especially as you're in mid-career, to feel like you're in that groove and you know what you're doing and you you're comfortable and maybe you're financially comfortable and kids, whatever you have that, that kind of keeps you there. But what are some of the ways that the three of you could suggest to get a little less comfortable? And as we approach, you know, the, the last closing decade or two or three of our career, how can we get more out of it and really pursue what we want in this in this career of ours? It is a great point. And I think, um, again, because I'm the list writer in the group, um, one of the things that I've had the opportunity to do and that helped me enormously was having a supportive um, chief exec who made opportunities available for me while I was still in my waged role to work with, um, in this case, regulators to to help them with some of the things they were doing. So I had, you know, the start of those opportunities to still be employed, um, but to go and start to build relationships and gain experience um, with others. Um, I was also volunteered up for other organisations because at that stage, um, the person that owned the organisation knew others that needed assistance, so would would lend me out, if you like. So that was a, a good starting point. Um, and then I was also, um, they, they supported me to drop down to part-time so that I still had some income, but it allowed me to start to grow the consulting side of the organisation. Um, and then once I got that to that level, then I resigned and consulted back to them until they, they were at a point where they didn't need my services anymore because we'd grown people internally enough to cover the role. So that's kind of how I moved um, through that. And yes, it, it is courageous and it can be scary, um, but it, it worked out well for me. And I was, uh, you, you've got something valuable to say in this, having done exactly that and had the courage to do it on a couple of occasions. Um, I perhaps sadly haven't had that courage or perhaps the need to. Unfortunately, what I have seen over the years is often that people do this when they've had to do it, when they've lost the job or they've been made redundant or something of this nature. And they, they, and they go, now often it works out well and it, it, it puts you in that position of having to do something. But those are always circumstances when control's being taken away from you and you're trying to take it back. Um, to be able to consider these as options and uh, explore them and make that your decision in the first place, I think it's a, a, a pretty good way to go. And I'm not encouraging everybody to suddenly give up the job and uh, 
and go out. It doesn't suit everybody. There are challenges to it. Some are better suited in other things. Some are comfortable in other things. It's a, it's about your own personal approach to your career. Um, for all we might have had two or three careers, Adam, um, we only get one spell of life to do it in, don't we? However, exactly we right. To, yeah. You learn from each one of them, and uh, and hopefully as you as you pursue a path of your own interest it, it works out well but you've got to deal with the circumstances in front of you as well yeah, i think it's the open-mindedness um that you need to be mindful of and again that's that self-awareness that you were talking about earlier andrew the self-awareness and allowing yourself and again having courage to take opportunities and there's certain things that you can do to lessen the risk when you're moving um, between careers do them both for a while if you can um, to to ease it over. But you know, I mentioned a couple of times during this discussion and the previous one that I didn't necessarily have a plan. It's it's about being open to opportunities and having enough faith in your own ability to start inching out of comfort zones and into something a little bit more unknown. But taking measured approach or measured steps. Um, and not shutting yourself out to uh, from what you're currently engaged in um, and taking opportunities and moving into them um, with your eyes open. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm an, uh, anywhere near an expert and I've had some ups and downs throughout my career as well, but I'm very happy and uh, with where I am at the moment um, and couldn't imagine doing anything else. But that's not to say that something um, couldn't come up in the future that would take your attention and um, start encroaching on that passion and and let's see where that goes as well. Uh, it, it's it's a fabulous time to to have a career. I know my grandfather started his working life in one organisation and retired in that organisation. Um, very happy, but it's. It's completely different to the environment that we live in now, and there's so many opportunities. All you need to do is keep your eyes open and your ear to the ground, and um, opportunities will quite often find you, particularly if you're doing your current role well. Um, so I think that's always been the prerequisite to move is um, come from a good place um, and hopefully utilise that experience to to open doors into other areas mm. can i ask you a question each of you coming from those different perspectives one planner one unplanned mm. if you were to be able to go and talk to yourself when you were 18 or 20 and said this is the career that, that you're going to have would the 18 or 20 year old have been happy with what was set out in front of them would they have said yep that's a path i'd like to do Interesting. okay i'll go first i'll go first um Yes, <laughs> because I still have the plans from the 20 year old and pretty much I'm exactly where I wanted to be now when I was 20. I'm sitting here shaking my head in disbelief, Wendy. <laughs> uh, there's somebody else that I know that has like their life broken down into six month increments um, and planning out and the trajectory is where they're planning to be. Um, and that's wonderful. Um, if to answer your question, Andrew, I don't know. I'm I'm very happy with where I am um, right now, and I don't imagine changing. But if you were to say that to the twenty odd year old um, in a laboratory, 
in a university somewhere that this is what I would be doing. I probably would have stared at you in disbelief and said, no, no way. I, I love what I'm doing. Why would I want to work anywhere else? This is me. Um, yes, yeah, so that's an interesting question. You know, we make decisions every day and where we're at is the sum total of all the, the tiny decisions that we make every single day. Um, usually you don't, don't end up where you are through one or two large decisions. It's the cumulative effect of every decision that you make. Um, and given the same circumstances back when I was 20 something in a university, you know, one decision could have changed my path dramatically from where I am right now. Um, would you go back and change the decisions that I make? Who knows? Um, it's it's hard because one degree of separation back, you know, 30 years ago could have been very different to where I am right now. Bar in the fact that at that age I wanted to be a pilot, and of course I'm not a pilot and <laughs> never have been, um, I would have snapped your hand off, frankly. I would have loved, but I wouldn't have believed it was possible. And if you'd have given me the chance to do what I'm doing now, then I would have been rubbish at it. I know yes. that. So there's a right place and a right time and yes. being right for what's coming. But yes, I would have I would have happily accepted the opportunity to to work in this sector, meet the people I've met and both as, as, as auditees and as friends and colleagues and uh, to have seen what I've seen and travelled as I've travelled, yes, I would have happily taken it. But I didn't know it existed. So how how could I have uh, how could I have planned that? Mm. I think that's a good point about um, what Adam was saying earlier about being open to opportunities. Is that it's around understanding the essence of it as opposed to the the details of it, so that you recognise um, an opportunity when you see it. Well, Andrew. Wendy, Adam, that was a great session. God, it was a very fast, uh, more than 30 minutes. Great, great job, all of you. I, I could talk to you about these things and listen to you chat for, for a lot longer. I think our audience could as well. But thank you all for 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 giving us so many great insights and advice and and, and ideas. It really is, is fun to do this. So thanks to all of you for, for being here today. Uh, thank you all for listening as well. If you have questions and you want to ask uh, any of us on the Exemplar Global team, um, and you're in the middle of your career, anywhere in your career, and you want to know more, visit us at exemplarglobal.org or write us at info at exemplarglobal.org. We'll get right back to you. Uh, you will get CPD for this uh, session if you've attended. Um, so just, just go right on, follow the, the prompts on your screen and, and get your CPD. Uh, we're going to be doing another another session here. If you haven't listened to it, we, we have, uh, again, we're doing sessions on the various stages of the career uh, from beginning, middle to end. So go ahead and listen to all those. Listen to all the presentations we have. We have a lot of really great webinars and podcasts and other presentations there on our site at exemplarglobal.org. So, Thanks to you all for joining us. We'll see you again soon in another presentation. So long. Well.